Thanks for joining us today for TED Speaks with your host, Ted Carew, the Positive Safety Coach. As co-host and Ted's wife, I have the added task of keeping Ted in line and laughing at his jokes, which isn't always easy. My name is Barb Carew. We are coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Brewers, Miller Beer, and the Fonz. How could it get any better than that? Our podcast focuses on sharing ideas with business owners and safety professionals to keep employees safe and families together. Our passion for keeping people safe is the reason Total Health and Safety Solutions was created. This is how Ted is able to share his 25 years of safety experience by supporting companies around the globe in their efforts to strengthen their health and safety process. Please join us in welcoming Chris Sider. Chris Sider, CSP, PHR, CHST, ARM, provides safety leadership for both 650 members across 25 plus locations and has over 18 years of experience in the safety industry. He delivers technical safety expertise across multiple disciplines, including compliance, permitting, and remediation, mechanical, electrical process, structural engineering, and project management. Mr. Sider directs construction management safety for multi-million dollar construction projects across multiple states and guides and oversees safety risk assessments for custom machine designs. Hey, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm awesome, Ted. How are you doing? I am doing great. Hey, thank you very much for uh, being on Ted Speaks today and, and uh, really helping us out with, and talking about safety. And, and obviously, you have a great amount of knowledge and uh, hoping that you can share with our uh, listeners. So looking forward to it. Excellent. You know, as they say, first time or a long time listener, first time caller, Ted. So happy to be here. <laughs> well, you know, you make it sound so professional, like we're on the radio and everything. Thank you. <laughs> hey, can you kind of give our um, listeners a little bit of a background about you, Chris? Yeah, you bet. So my name is Chris Sider. So I am currently the director of health and safety for both companies. We are a large design, engineering, construction management, project management firm based out of Green Bay. And personally, I've been doing safety professionally for the last 18 years. So I've been with both for the last 10 years, a little over a decade, but I've uh, been doing safety for 18. was lucky enough to cut my teeth in the heavy metal manufacturing industry. So I like to say I had a uh, an expedited career path working in some of the high-risk safety environments and uh, have lots of experience and lots of stories to tell out of, out of that world. So looking forward to talking with you today. Well, and also don't forget the 2019 J.J. Keller Spotty Award uh, winner, which is uh, not an easy award to get either. Congratulations. So Spotty, so Safety Professional of the Year. And yeah, it's a great organization, J.J. Keller, great materials, and and proud to be part of their award situation there. Awesome. And for also for the uh, viewers that are used to uh, listening to Ted and Barb, we have a special special i am uh, not barb <laughs> no no not barb but at least you begin with the same name so it'll allow me to flow normally almost for me brad herda who's actually barb and um, ours business coach also too for our business and it helps us out in many ways he has his own podcast and you can probably uh tell everybody about your podcast a little bit brad uh podcast is called blue collar bs i co-host it with my uh good friend over in detroit michigan Stephen doyle and we talk about multi-generational workforce and the blue collar industry as to what's preventing people from making that opportunity to go and hire young people and and get through those problems and issues and, and make that awareness interesting fact 
Gen Z is 26 years old this year, and why we're still afraid to hire young people is beyond me. So, <laughs> Yes, and Brad definitely uh, helps out with looking at the different generations and, and learn a lot from him. So I guess let's get into the uh, interview here. What is the biggest regret or failure that you've had over your 18-year professional career? You don't have any, oh, right? Just don't have Brad, any. You're That's just going to jump right on Just going to jump right in. Let's just go. Easy, right? Let's just go right into this. No, it's... Uh, you know, as, as we kind of talk about, you know, history and, and experiences and all that over 18 years, you know, obviously, you know, you talk about awards and all those things, and that's the things you're proud of and the things you look back upon. Funny enough, you know, if I think as an early career professional in safety, you know, I talk a little bit about heavy metal manufacturing. And for me, first job I got fresh out of college was taking over a, a safety position for a company that had been in business for over 130 years and was literally the second safety person that they ever had on staff. <laughs> wow. The first, one wasn't, uh, first one wasn't cutting it. So I, I got, had the opportunity to kind of come in and build and grow. And I'm sure they, they had mentors and everything like that to help you along that process too, right? Well, I, I found mentors. I definitely found <laughs> mentors and partners and, and coaches and all that early on in my career, but a lot of, a lot of trial by fire. But I look at that that company and and what we did within that company. I mean, the success story out of it was, you know, we took their incident rates down from 37% when I first started with the company down to 6.2% in, in a period of just over three years. Wow, that's impressive. Very impressive. But when I look back at that company, I was gung-ho as a, as a fresh safety professional, early career. I wanted to take everything, right? So literally, I would knock on everybody's doors and walls and say, this sounds like this is safety related. I should probably be doing this. And I go to the next person and say, this is safety related. That's my job and did a lot of great things and got a lot of great experience out of that. But when I go back to your question around, you know, why I have regrets around that, that part of my career is the business market changed and that particular company uh, started to downsize. So I had to leave the organization and, and pursue work elsewhere. When I looked at what happened to the safety culture after I left, it was a fairly rapid climb back to where it was prior to my being there. And what I found from that is that all my efforts over those three years to build and to do and to take all these things on my shoulder, though proved to be successful for three years, were truly a disservice to that organization. When I left, there really wasn't that, that true depth of culture and spread responsibility and everything else that would have and should have carried through that culture well after my departure. And those were those early learnings as a as a young professional, young educated leader. You want to do, do, do and be the producer. But but for me, the regret was not taking enough of that foresight to spread the wealth of knowledge, to spread the responsibilities and to leave something that was going to be sustainable. So as I think about, you know, advice that I would have for, you know, early career professionals, certainly that's one of the things that would be on my list is just be cautious about how you perform your work and in, in, in how you try to take things away from people. Uh, Cause it's hard to give tasks back at times to individuals. <laughs> yes, it is. So, Did so go, oh, go, that, go ahead, that 130 right? years, right? So three years over 130, that's a very long, trying to make a massive shift. It's like moving the Titanic. Right. Uh, and I'm sure that. And that's it, the way you felt after you left too, right? The know, Titanic. <laughs> myself personally working at, you know, Bucyrus International for 17 years and coming into that organization at 110 years and trying to change outsourcing and things like that. Having to gain that respect of people 
is really hard to do so that they can listen to you as to what's going forward. So how did you go out as the young kid coming in, capture their respect to allow you to make the changes to how they perform their work? I love that question, Brad. You know, it's 130 years brings a lot of heritage. You know, literally what what this young kid out of college, aka myself at that time, was charged to do was to tell all these hard workers that what they were doing was wrong. Right which also meant what their fathers had done was wrong, yep. what their grandfathers had done was wrong, what their great father grandfathers had done was, had, was wrong. And this was a very specialized industry, not to target the organization, but this was in, in, in a shipbuilding type environment where there's heritage, there's all right. that legend and lore that comes with the roles. So it really was, you know, a lot of time spent out on the shop floor, out where the people were, not trying to attack what processes they've been doing and that they're horrible people and all of that, but really trying to shift of, there was this mentality within the business that the product was top-notch, world-class. In fact, when you look at the, uh, the, the, the a lot of the marketing materials, world-class was all over it. So what I worked hard to do was to attach that if the product is world-class, we have to be world-class in how we deliver it. And getting hurt and doing some of these things using an old jig or an old tool that your great-grandfather used 50 years ago isn't world-class anymore, right? And how do we Or the ones that they that made life? themselves, right? It, it was slow growth wood. It's fine. It'll be okay. It's only burnt for 40 years. There should be plenty of strength left to hold that up. Well, yeah, I, I don't see what the problem is. But not without scars, right? You know, you think about any culture change, any culture shift, you have to be relentless as a safety person. You have to stand your ground around what is right. And I think we're blessed with that within our careers and our professions that there is really something uh, uh, great about what we deliver to our companies, to the world, you name it. We're doing it for the right reasons, trying to protect people. And I think if we lead with that, people can can attach with that sincerity and that 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 vulnerability and say, yeah, we do want to do this for the right reasons. You're here to help. It's the old adage, I'm here with OSHA, I'm I'm here to help. <laughs> really are here to help these individuals work harder, work safer, you name it, and be able to go home at the end of every single day. I know it's cliche, but it really is what we're trying to do. Absolutely. And and one thing that I, I was kind of wondering too, as you developed that company in your three years that you had there, did you feel sometimes people were coming to you because you were getting things done and it wasn't necessarily safety related? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, you talk about, hopefully you had some help. You know, I had an early mentor who I had the opportunity to, to work with. He was a partner of ours to the organization. And one of the strategies that he taught me early on was um, you're going to have these people who are going to be hard to influence and hard to mold. Don't avoid the ones who are most difficult. Spend the most energy on the ones who are most difficult, right? Yeah. And really partner Very with true. those individuals, try and get into um, the reasons why they're difficult, the reasons why they're against what you're trying to do. And truly, once you started winning over those informal leaders within the organization, the strength of, of having their voice try to carry forward what your voice was and how quickly that could pick up its rhythm um, was a huge tip that I took early on and I still utilize to this date. It's easy to just target the people who are the 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 yesers, you know, and the yes men, the yes women and pull them at close to your hip because they feel good, they feel nice and they're here to help you. But if you ignore the people who are, are the naysayers and you try and you know pretend they're not there, that strategy is not going to work either. They're going to continue to drill into the counterculture elements that you're trying to produce. Yeah, finding those early adopters, finding those guys that have the uh, personal power or influence 
is really important and being able to create that uh, early, getting that guy on your side that sees and recognizes the value you're bringing so that when Harry comes over and says, this is stupid, why are we doing this? He goes, you know, give it a chance. Let's try it. And that just creates momentum and opportunity and gives you that uh, respect from those that you're working with. Right. I, I always say if you get the grumpiest people on board, usually that's the way you're going to change it, right? How do you get mm-hmm. the grumpiest people on board, Ted, so happy all the time? My well, goodness you know, gracious. And that, that's the way that you do it. You listen, right? <laughs> Seek first to understand. Sometimes I don't do that. Just ask Barb. But anyway, that's a whole different subject, right? Hey, uh, Chris, what would you say, what kind of advice would you give to safety professionals that are entering into the field similar to uh, what we were just talking about? Yeah. So I think, you know, number one, as we talk about kind of your goal setting and your level setting as to how you're going to lead, you know, certainly pursuing the career in a way that's going to build something longstanding, I think has to be priority number one. So always looking, you know, at at the tasks that you're doing today, if you're solely a, a, a deliverer of responsibilities, what's that going to be like when you leave? You know, so really changing the mindset to when I when I leave this organization, is there going to be something of substance here? I think that's kind of approach number one, tip number one of just how you frame out your, 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 your elements of your work. As I dig deeper into that, you know, a couple other things is, is find your passion and energy for safety. And, and your, your legitimate, deep down passion and energy for this topic. And if you can't find that, you really got to question hard if this is the right business for you, right? And, and because you should be able to find the true legitimate reasons why you're pursuing this field, this role within an organization. And the reason why I say that, Ted and Brad, is that if you don't have that true, legitimate, sincere passion, your audience will see through it at some point in time. And you will never be as effective as you hope to be throughout your career. So truly finding why is this profession important to you? Why are you doing it with sincerity? And you talk about creating fellowship. At both, we use the word fellowship all the time. That's that, you know, building the individuals who, who with, without title, want to be around you, want to lead your, your example, want to follow where you're going. You can't build fellowship without sincerity. So I, advice number one is you got to find why you're coming into this field and why you're pursuing this, this profession and really grab onto that first and foremost. I so, love that fellowship piece, right? We too often use the word leadership and leaders can't lead if there's nobody following them. Very so, true. so taking that action of, hey, people need to follow you so you can become a leader and, and working on how do you get people to do that is, that's fantastic. That's a very good differentiator for uh, your organization. So you're saying that if I'm the last one in the meeting and um, nobody's there in charge of safety, now I am, that's not probably the person to pick for safety. Is that what you're saying, Chris? Well, I, I always joking, I jokingly say it, but, you know, I literally am the person who cannot come into my company on Monday morning with crutches, with the eye patch, with any of those things, unless I have a darn good story to go around <laughs> that incident occurred. And, and really what it, what it to me comes down to is when you live this stuff, people will really see that, wow, Chris, Ted, Brad, we really care about this for the right, right. reasons. It's not just a job and a speech that we're reading off. It truly is where we, 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 we really are passionate and we're leading by example. That goes a long ways. And, 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 and I, th- I see the two going together. If you, if you have your passion and energy, you're going to do the right things. 
which means you're going to set the right example for the people who you want to follow. You know, in this area, I've, I, I've got, I always talk to one of my favorite things I love to hear from, from my coworkers is, is the phrase, I thought about you over the weekend, Chris. <laughs> Cause I, I, I know that when I, when I hear that phrase, it's like, hold on, let's stop and let's talk, right? You've got a story to tell me. And that story right. is always going to be preceded with or, or followed with. I was about to do something wrong, but I didn't <laughs> because I thought of you. I heard your or voice. I, I heard your voice. I didn't want to go get the ladder. I was going to use the box and the crate to get up on top. And I took the time out to go get the ladder instead. Because you were in my head, Chris. I thought of you or I saw this person doing something and immediately I, I went to Chris and how I would never do that. Right. To me, that that phrase is is such a a moment of success as a safety professional when you're here when you hear your people talking about that because a you've gotten into their psyche that 24 7 safety mentality you've gotten into their brain outside of the work environment first and foremost and b you've made that that fellowship connection you've made that sincere connection that when they think about you they think about legitimate safety and best practices and all that stuff and when you piece those things together um, as a safety professional if you can create those connections with your people if you can present yourself in that manner uh to me you can build a a fantastic career of influence as as a professional that's awesome. Yep, I would agree. Um, I'm going to take this next question a little bit down as I've looked at your LinkedIn profile and see some of your volunteering activity, and I think they can kind of go together here. What do you believe has personally made you successful in your safety professional? And to tie it back a little bit, how are you bringing that forward as you are now involved in Boy Scouts of America and as a pack leader? How are you blending those differences and, and breaking it down and, and helping support safety in a different level. Uh, yeah, I love that, Brad. So I like to tell things through stories, right? So I, But that's how people remember, right? This, through stories are how people remember things. It is. It is. And, and, that's, and for me, the stories is where the deep-rooted connections really occur in everything that we do, right? But again, going back to conversations with, with coworkers, with members, I uh, – I uh, had a really interesting one the other day. I had a, a an, on the phone with with one of my members for a totally different subject, and on the blue, the person says, "Got a really random question for you, Chris." And he and he went on to ask, "Do you think that firefighters hope there's a fire, <laughs> <laughs> or do you do you think that they would rather?" be in the the fire station all day long, all week long, you name it, and not have to actually go and respond to fires. So he asked me this question. He said, I'm going somewhere with this, right? That's all good leading questions. <laughs> so, so we proceeded to talk a little bit about this. And he said, well, where I'm going with this is as a safety professional, do you hope for something like COVID to occur? Do you hope for there to be some big event to occur to give you this chance and this opportunity to use all of your training, all your education, all your experience, right? So I'm pondering this, this conversation as thought. And for me, as I responded back, I said, I don't believe that firefighters really want to have to rush into a fire and to put their life on, on the line. But what they do is throughout their life and their career, they prepare themselves through training and education and modeling and forming, you name it, so that when that moment occurs, they're the ones who are calm, they're breathing, and they're ready to go into action. 
So I say that story to kind of lead into, you know, what do I believe has personally made me successful as a safety professional? It's 18 years of preparation and constant ongoing preparation, right? So when we look at everything we do within our organizations, it's all about preparing and writing ourselves for that action that's needed from us. So, you know, I spend a ton of time molding safety programs and management systems and all these things to build a framework to allow us to be successful. I personally constantly am molding and polishing my communication skills from a written and an oral perspective so that I can take my messaging and and my knowledge and impart it in a way that's meaningful. It makes sense to the audience. They can take action upon those communications. Um, I do things like like honing other skills that aren't safety related, project management and lean methodology, um, learning the business around us. You know, oftentimes as a safety professional, we get tunnel vision and say, I deliver my thing. Very true. But taking the time to learn the entire organization, I think is critical because when I look at what I would never do again from the first job I had is do the work for everybody. So where I've shifted over my career is learning How can accountants touch safety? How can procurement touch safety? How can risk management touch safety? And now how can I I coach those individuals, help them to develop their standard work so that they do safety? I don't, right? At the end of the day, I always say I'm most successful in my role when I do very little as it relates to safety directly. When instead I'm building systems and programs and coaching and training and educating others to do safety so that safety lives on without me having to perform it myself. Power of many. So it's, it's all of that, right? It's that constant polish and that, that goal so that at the end of the day, when something like COVID disrupts our lives and us as safety professionals are called up to go into action, we're ready with all those skill sets. We've got the plans, we've got the programs, we've got the training. We're ready to manage, we're ready to communicate, we're ready to go in so that, do I want COVID to happen ever again in my life? No, but was I ready to be the calm professional to react and respond to that? Absolutely I was. And 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 to me that success is, is building ourselves as professionals to be ready for those moments. And being able to adapt to the situation, like kind of like what you were just talking about, right? I know uh, a while back, Barbara and I were out for a lunch or dinner, and somebody started having a seizure. And so I just calmly, you know, put everything away and, and did the things that I did and never thought twice of it. And Barb, you know, Barb, she's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> she's not here, so I can say this story about her. She's going to hear the show. You well, know I, that, I don't right? know. She doesn't listen, does she? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but anyway, we have that, and I just got back, sat back down. She goes, you didn't even get excited or anything. You just kind of stayed, you know, and that's kind of what our training does for us. Right, Chris? Is that kind of what you're ex- it's explaining? It's what you do, it's right? It's how you get prepared. It's how yep. you put that power of many at work and being able to have the awareness of what's going on around you. Back when I was at Busaris and then CAT afterwards, right, all of our safety, all of our meetings started with a safety process. You know, who's calling 911? Who's going to get the AD? Who's getting the fire extinguisher? Who's doing all those things? And I carry that forward today into my clients and they get shocked when I do that. Like, well, it's about being prepared. So if something does happen, we all know who's supposed to be doing what. Absolutely. The person that's sitting in that meeting, knowing that they got to go get the fire extinguishers, constantly thinking about where's, what do I have to do if something is to happen, which creates that awareness. But I also like the way that you said, bring everybody in the organization to know safety also. I thought that was key. You know, 
when Barbara and I started our own business, I knew safety and I still felt very comfortable with safety. It's the other parts that was a little bit more challenging. And Brad has really helped us in that in that aspect, but to look at them. And so just like you're saying, Chris, it, it allows me as I go into our clients and work with them that, hey, everybody has to be able to touch safety and have an idea of what it is and, and, and how we can all be part of it, right? Yeah. I always say that best things that happen within my organization that are related to safety are those things that I didn't even know were happening. Right. Exactly. Right. It's those, it's those, it's those initiatives that some team took that improved safety. It's those project plans that some team developed that drove safety that they didn't even need my help on that, that they were ready. They were prepared. They were educated. They knew that they had to get this done. To me, that is, is the best stuff that we can lead to. And again, it's that shifted mentality. Many of us want to control. We want to be on top of it. We feel obligated to be in the middle of it. But I tend to shift myself as I've grown later in my career to a late, late career professional is um, how, do I, how do I move out of that doer space and more into that leader, that coaching, that mentoring space so that, again, we're, we're creating an army of safety professionals within an organization who don't have it in their title. Just because I have it in my title doesn't mean I have to do everything. Correct. Yes. Well, hey, Chris, thank you for the conversation today. I really enjoyed that. I think it was uh, awesome uh, to have that for our listeners. But as you know, I'm being the positive safety coach. Uh, we have a couple of little fun time with you now. So the question is, are you ready for Brad and ours questions or jokes? Because a lot of times people aren't ready for them. You know, listening to your other podcasts, I am, I am a sucker for dad <laughs> jokes. So I could not wait for this more, Ted. <laughs> All right, good. So my first question for you is, why can't you trust Adams? Why can't you trust Adams? Oh, man. You got me, Ted. Let's hear it. Because they make up everything. They make up everything. <laughs> Those sneaky Adams. <laughs> yeah, Take that to your pack leader. You're, you're done today, <laughs> tonight. <laughs> How do you talk to a giant? How do you talk to a giant? All right, Brad, let's hear it. You use big words. <laughs> you use big words. <laughs> See, our, our questions are so easy uh, that people overthink them all the time. That's how we uh, get to that. So, hey, thanks again for being on the show. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, Chris, and ask you some questions, how would they do that? You know, you, you talk about, you reference my LinkedIn. If you want to look me up on, on LinkedIn, it's Chris Sider. It's S is in Sam, E-I, D is in dog, E-R. It's German, so blame them for the spelling. But uh, uh, Chris Sider, I'm on LinkedIn. Look me up, send me a note. And uh, you also reference Brad. For over a decade, I, I've been a partner with and present annually at the Wisconsin Safety Council Conference. So you can always find me there. And I also present uh, for the last five years at the Minnesota Conference. So if you go to either one of those conferences, Come to my sessions, look me up, have a chat. We can go to a cocktail hour afterwards, you name it, but happy to meet you in any of those environments. I'm presenting in April as well at the Wisconsin Council, so I'll look forward to seeing you there. Yes, and, awesome. and, and so am I. So we all will be there. So looking forward Beverages to Beverages all around. Yes, exactly. Be there, be square. All right. Hey, thank you very much and have a super safe day. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to TED Speaks with Ted Carew, owner of Total Health and Safety Solutions, providing health and safety support to businesses by customizing a safety process to fit their needs, big or small. Please connect at ted.carew at healthandsafetynow.com or visit our website, healthandsafetynow.com to share your safety stories or find out more about how we can work together 
to ensure your people go home safely and turn an expense into a profit center. Follow us and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Have a super safe week. 